Hey everybody, welcome back to Taxel Insiders. I'm pretty excited to be here with you today, but we're switching things up and um, that's different for us because normally Brian is the one doing the interviewing of different professionals in our industry. And this time, and for a few podcasts going forward, I'm actually going to be interviewing Brian and he's going to be answering the questions. So (laughs) uh, so we're switching it up. Um, But for those of you who don't know us uh, or know us, I am Rachel Seidensticker, COO over at Taxel Resources. And of course, this is my brother, Brian Seidensticker, and he is our CEO. And I'm excited to tap into his expansive knowledge, uh, not only on his own, but also (laughs) because of all the people he has interviewed. Um, There's certainly a lot that I know all of you as investors can learn from him. So, hey, Brian, hey, here we are. Look at us. Hey, hey, Rachel. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me. It's kind of, yeah, I think you you said it well. um, My experience certainly doesn't come from firsthand, you know, doing this, but um, I am in a unique position of having interviewed so many attorneys and so many professionals and hearing those stories. And I'm excited to kind of share some of those, you know, going forward. Yeah, I'm excited to, to do it this way. All right, so let's just get right to it. And uh, the, the the subject this week is about tax deeds. And we're going to go into not just the, the basics of tax deed, but some really specific um, what we can learn and what you can teach investors about the the tax deed space. But let's start simple. Uh, tell our listeners what the difference is between a tax deed and a tax lien. Ah, well, and, you know, tax lien, we'll start with that, is, is it's a lien on the property. You don't own the real estate. You have no ownership in that deed. Right. Um, you have the same interests. I, I liken it to a micro mortgage, right? The same similar interest as a, as a mechanics lien or, or a mortgage on the property. And there's like just with those, there's additional steps you'd have to go through in order to uh, recover um, your, your you know, right in that property. Right. Um, on the other end of the spectrum is the tax deed. Right. And that's where you are purchasing you know that the the deed you're purchasing right to the property itself um you know just not just like but very similar to like a traditional real estate transaction and buying a home right so it's the difference between like investing in a position in that property versus investing in the property itself yeah that makes sense and it, do you find our you know states choose one or the other or is there a common <laughs> Yeah, really. I mean, the the states drive the state statutes drive what process that you know the sale takes, um, and really, you know, deeds it can come in all sorts of you know shapes as far as how the sale or how the process works, right? From you know, some states go straight to the a tax deed sale, right? They don't they skip the whole lien process, um, and and other states have a a lien sale first and then followed up with a, a deed sale. Florida, for example, is one that has the lien sale, right? The lien holder holds it for a period of time and then they you know, um, start what's called the tax deed application and call that the foreclosure process, but that culminates in the tax deed auction, right? So you can't be a lien holder in Florida um, and become a deed holder without going to that tax deed auction down the road. Um, that's how Florida works. They have both, right? And then um, there's certainly some states you know, that are lien centric and then don't have a secondary deed auction. They just have a lien foreclosure perfecting lien process. And in those states, there is no um, tax deed sale. So um, each state, you know, the statutes might be slightly different, but they typically fall into one of those three categories. 
Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And, and then I would, I think it's safe to assume that tax deeds don't, since you're owning the property, there's no, there's no redemption period. There's nothing like that. Once you, once you buy a tax deed, it's yours. Yeah, I guess um, for all intents and purposes, yes. I mean, there's, there's certainly some nuances to that, at least from the title perspective, right? Um, you at least have to go through typically through a quiet title process uh, to have insurable title on the property. There might be some other liens that you have to pay off to, to, to get what's called clear title on the property. Those are two different things. Um, but in general, you own that property. Now, there's certainly some states that we consider deed states that do come with a, uh, a period of time after the auction where the previous owner can still redeem, right, um, through a court action or, or whatnot, right? So it's not 100% slam dunk in all cases, but in, in it'd be the rarity in those states where something would would redeem the property versus the norm, right? In lien states, it's typically the norm that the property is redeemed well before the tax deed ever takes place. That makes sense. And, um, and I'm glad you touched on this because you mentioned nuances. And I would imagine because <laughs> every state is different, there are a lot of nuances. Um, so I guess what would be something that investors need to deliberate before they invest in deed states? Um, should they consider any states in particular that you feel like stick out if they're complicated or difficult or mm. just any sort of weird nuances? I know I've heard the terms judicial versus non-judicial can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah, and I mean, I get asked all the time, where do you suggest in, in investing, right? But the answer to that question is kind of a, a question right back at them. Like, what is your end goal? Um, if your end goal is to own land, right, that might be a different state or different process, you know, compared to owning you know, commercial properties. Um, um, and every state has nuances, um, you know, so my biggest recommendation is just having a good understanding of, of how that state's deed process works um, and talking to uh, an attorney that's uh, not only familiar with that state, but familiar with tax sales in that state. That's the key, finding an attorney that is familiar with the tax sale process because you can learn a lot in an hour conversation with that individual, way more with that individual than you would paying an attorney that doesn't know anything about tax sales to go research statutes and find that data you know, that's a multi-week process uh, to get up to speed. Um, but the, what are some of those nuances? For example, you mentioned judicial versus non-judicial. Um, Pennsylvania um, has a, a called an upset sale um, and a judicial sale. Um, and really the difference being the, the upset sale, you're buying the deed, right? But the deed is, is basically coming with all of the other, I'll say garbage or headaches, right? So if there's a mortgage on those properties in the upset sale, you own that deed, but you also now have the proud ownership of that ownership of that mortgage. And now you're responsible for that. And any other uh, lien that might be on that property, uh, that'd be the upset sale in Pennsylvania versus judicial sale. They then take that deed and the, the county goes through the quiet title process themselves. And I can't remember the exact name they call it, but it's similar to a quiet title. And so the judicial sale is basically selling that same deed to the same property, but all of those other liens removed, right? So it's a little cleaner, a little safer, a little easier, right? So in Pennsylvania, knowing, you know, the auction you're coming, you're going to go to next week, whether that's an upset sale or judicial sale greatly changes, you know, how you underwrite that property. Do you have to worry about the title 
in any mortgage or do you not have to worry about the title in any mortgage? That's a big difference, right? Because um, buying a property for a great deal, right? But then having a $100,000 mortgage on it um, changes it from buying that same property for $20,000, which is more, right? But you don't have that $100,000 mortgage. Those are two very different situations. Um, so that's one example. Um, another example would be um, you know the process in Louisiana, uh, which I learned more about recently uh, talking to Stephen Morrell, who's a licensed attorney in Louisiana, but um, there's kind of this process of just finding the, the, the tax deeds themselves because a lot of counties or parishes, I guess, in Louisiana don't advertise them. And so you're just finding that list is step one, and then you have to pay a fee. And eventually that culminates in a sale that is advertised to the world, right? So you have to pay the fee to start the process, and then you still have to attend the auction and buy the property. So knowing how that process, which is different uh, compared to any other state that I've come across. Um, so that's, you know, that's very different than, you know, Florida is probably one of the more well-known deed states, you know, you register for the auction, attend, most of them are online, you attend the auction, buy the deed. Um, and then there's, there's several services that provide, you know, uh, perfecting the title, title certification, quiet title services in Florida. So it's, it's much more, um, I'll say evolved than, than some other states. So th those are just some of the, the nuances, but each state has those nuances. So researching the statutes, talking to an attorney is, is imperative to your success. Otherwise you're going to learn the lessons the hard way. Mm, isn't that the truth? And um, which really brings us to our next, like segueing right in there for me. Um, <laughs> for our next piece is, um, you know, talking about, uh, I know you've, you've visited, as we mentioned, with a lot of attorneys across the country in multiple different states. And so you've gotten, um, been able to uh, listen to a lot of some of the worst case scenarios and maybe best case scenarios um, as far as what has happened to investors and, and what attorneys have had to deal with to help clean up some of those, we'll call them messes, um, mm -hmm. that maybe people have gotten into for a variety of reasons. Could be for a lack of due diligence, could be just a missed step, could be because of a noticing process. I know there's a mm -hmm. lot of reasons people can get into a sticky situation, but I'm just wondering, you know, if you can share some of those horror stories um, or or even positive experiences from some of those case studies that you've you've talked to with attorneys. Well, uh, I guess the examples that come to mind, I, guess, I don't know why this is, but um, I think most people gravitate toward the worst case scenarios as opposed to the best case scenario. So most things I can remember right now are, are worst case scenarios. Um, That's some of those that come to mind how we best learn, Brian. So yeah. how to learn. Right? <laughs> That's how that's how media is today, right? Yeah. Um, it's all negativity, so we might as well hang on that thread. Um, the some of the ones that come to mind are, um, you know, simple things like due diligence, right? Of assuming that if if the county says it's a home, that it is actually a home, right? And um, the county might say it has a house there, right? But it, in reality, it might be demoed. Well. Um, typically the county, you know, sells these properties as is, whereas, right? Buyer beware, lots of different names for it, but it is, if you buy it in error, they're not going to give you your money back, right? So you buy, um, a house that was demolished last week, right? That's your problem, not the county's problem. Um, if you buy a, uh, what ends up being a mailbox, right? It might have an address because it's the mailbox, but it's not, there's no value to it beyond that. Um, if you buy a strip of, um, you know, sidewalk along the highway, right? That these are all things that legitimately happen, not regularly, but they legitimately happen. And so just simple things like just doing your research, it, it can be a worst case scenario. Um, 
that's really from the asset value, right? Then there's the the title worst case scenarios. And probably the most common one that I've, I've heard from attorneys is knowing how many heirs there are, heirs as in um, if the previous owner or an owner somewhere in the history is deceased, right? And they if it's it's very simple. If it was a husband and wife, one passes away, the other has ownership. That's a single heir, right? And moves forward. Where it gets uh, sticky from a quiet title and sticky meat basically is a secret word for saying very expensive. Um, if it gets sticky, then it's you know where it says at all or you list like five or ten different owners, right? Um, when you get to that point, you doing the quiet title and making sure the due process is completed correctly. That's where it gets expensive and long. Right. So that's where you might have budgeted, you know, let's say three or four thousand dollars for that quiet title process. And that can turn into a twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollar expensive bill. Um, it, those are some of the, the nuances from the from the tile perspective. Now, from an ownership, uh, one of the ones that that I'm remembering uh, that I thought was very interesting was a conversation around um mobile homes, right? And is it better to own the mobile home? Is it better to own the underlying um, land, right? And this is kind of specific to mobile homes, or in some cases, they're packaged together and you own them both, right? But these are common things that mobile homes you see in in tax uh, sales, tax deed sales, um, is what are you buying? Are you buying the land that that mobile home sits on? Are you buying the mobile home itself? Are you buying them together? Simply understanding what you're buying is step number one, but then also understanding what your uh, what are your rights after you buy that. And, and I guess the example that the attorneys I was speaking to used was, and I assumed right, and this 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 um, investor assumed that owning the land is the most valuable thing, right? Because um, I can always put another um, mobile home on there, but. Uh, what that investor learned and and I also learned in, in this conversation is, well, that's all fine and dandy, but the owner of that home still has property rights. You can't just hook up to that mobile home that's on your land and pull it away. This particular investor did. Um, and now and now they were subject to uh, all sorts of uh, legal battles with the owner of that, that home. And he didn't know that, hey, it's not technically trespassing. Um, I guess what happened is that previous owner then also claimed that a, a priceless um, collection of baseball cards or something was in the mobile home that he hauled away. And so the, you know, the, the investor ended up losing um, a lot on that particular deal. So understanding what you're buying, understanding your rights as the deed holder in that instance is certainly you know good to know. Um, other instances would be, you know, if you are a lean investor in Louisiana or you're buying that lean on the, the, the late stage, uh, later stage of the redemption process, and you're taking that lean through the deed process is uh, there's an ownership percentage you get in that. So what do you what are you what rights do you have as a 99 percent owner in that you know deed or versus 100 percent versus 50 percent versus 1 percent? I don't have the answer, but I know there's a difference between and cutoff points of what you can and can't do. And so knowing what your rights are at each of those is, is very key. Um, and so if you go in, you know, assuming that you have certain rights and you you have all the expense and get your deed. And at the end of the day, you've got 1% ownership in that property. What does that mean? Right. Was that worth it? Um, you know, if you don't know that stuff going in, it can certainly be a, a, a worst case scenario on the back end of that. Wow. Those are some really great, great examples, very specific. And, um, 
I know I always feel like a lot of this comes back down, like you said, and started off with it's due diligence, right? And ensuring that you do your proper due diligence in advance as best as you can. Some of these obviously were just sticky scenarios that probably lacked some investigation in advance as well. And I think you made the suggestion earlier, talk to an attorney in that state. You know, there's lists of, of qualified attorneys that deal in these tax in this tax sale space. And, and that is something that you can certainly um, um, should invest in preemptively. Um, so let's talk about, I guess, how can tax sale resources specifically um, help in mitigating either some of these worst case scenarios or just getting start, like getting started in tax deeds? Uh, where do we come in? Where do we fit? Well, um, you know, I like to I like to say that we enable investors uh, to grow their business in every way, right? And so there's lots. That's a long way of saying there's lots of ways that that we can help. Um, the one thing we we don't do, can't do, won't do is is make ultimately make the, those decisions for you, right? So we can enable you with access to information, right? What statutes, right? We don't charge for that. You can go on our website, figure out what statutes govern each state, figure out attorneys that might be um, knowledgeable in those states. That's all stuff you can find, you know, for free on our website. Um, if you want to know, you know, what auctions are coming up, um, you know, types of auctions, how many properties are in the auction, all of that information you can get through our, our auction calendar and our research tool. Um, you want to do the property uh, due diligence, right? Finding out what is what is the value of that asset, right? Everything from how many beds, baths, you know, what's the assessed value? Does it have a mortgage? All of that information to, you know, you want and I always recommend doing an inspection on the property, whether you do it yourself as the investor or um, you hire a third party, right? You can, you can, you know, purchase an inspection through our research platform and it tells you, you know, with pictures, what is the status of that property, you know, today and not what Google, right? A lot of people make the mistake of, of looking on Google and it looks like a house is there. Well, that house, that street view was taken 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Um, and a lot can change in that time period, right? So the inspection, and then if, if you do, are in a state where the title is is a concern, right? You can order a title search through the platform. These are all things that you can do through our research platform. Um, and then, if you're wanting to um, then find you know finance your operation, right? We have a capital partnership accelerator program allowing you to um, you know scale your business you know with capital. Um, and then, if you want to manage those assets, we have a management tool. So um, there's a lot there, right? But there's we really anything you can think of that you might need as far as tools to help make those decisions and help manage your portfolio. That's what we help with. We don't provide the guidance on what to buy, what not to buy, you know, how, how to actually invest in this space is not what we do. Um, well, and I think you covered um, the big ones, which are those additional steps, especially for tax deeds. Would you I, tell me if you agree with this statement, but tax deeds need a little extra research, a little extra mm -hmm. Um, ensuring that because because you're owning that property and as you mentioned all these worst case scenarios by doing that extra bit of research and um, sets you up better for success I would think long term um, and that's important and, and we do have all those extra pieces of uh, information that you can order and, and get that little extra security um, so I think yeah, that's, that's great and I, yeah I think you'd said extra that's exactly what and that's the difference between 
having a you know interest in the property that's the lien side of it an interest in the property and, and really uh, say risk uh, of, of a few percent of what that property you know value is right for example if it's worth hundred thousand dollars there's uh, open lien for five thousand you buy the you know five thousand dollar lien there's a whole lot of margin for error before it starts to eat into your potential 5% you're into that property, right? That's the lean side. So there's more room for error, like more room for um, or less risk, um, all of that stuff on lean. On the deed side, you're owning that property, right? You're taking on not only 5% um, potential interest in that property, you're buying that property, right? So uh, I like to say 50, 60% of the property value, but lately, and especially in some markets, you're up there 90, 100%, more than 100% of what they as is value um, in, in why people are buying so high, I don't quite understand still. But um, because of that, and the fact that you're into the properties for tens of thousands of dollars and not $5,000, um, you need to do more research, right? You need to title search, you need to do inspections. You, you should spend a lot more time underwriting each asset for a deed compared to underwriting that that lien, for sure. Here, here. here. Um, well, on that note, I think you've stressed the importance of the due diligence and that extra, but, you know, just to kind of do a, a wrap up, uh, if, you know, speaking to maybe a newer investor in the tax deed state space, what would be your top three, you know, bullet points advice that you would give them? Top three? Um well, I think I already mentioned it, but understanding how a state works. And um, I definitely recommend you know, finding an attorney that is familiar with tax sales. And, and even if it costs you an hour or two, right, that that $400,000 that you're going to spend, you're going to save yourself an immense, you know, compared to what the potential pain is down the road by not knowing basic things. Um, that is always well worth it. Um, really... Um, I guess that's one and two. They're kind of combined, but the third one is is really thinking about what your what your end goal is. What is your model, right? the The space is competitive enough now. Used to be, um, I think investors would go into an auction saying, "Hey, I'm going to buy anything of value." Well, what does that mean, right? Um, that means you're not really an expert at any single model. I'll buy land. I'll buy single family home. I'll buy commercial, right? Whatever makes sense. Um, there's enough com- competition in the space now that you're t- probably going to be outbid by somebody that is specialized in vacant land or is specialized in single family home or is specialized in, va- in commercial property. And because of that, they know um, ways of making money and ways of, of maximizing revenue, allowing them to bid just a little more than probably you should. And so um, if, you, if you aren't an expert in that space. So Really honing in what your model is and what your end goal is, is critical in order to be successful on the long run. Um, and sorry, I'm going to throw one more in there, but um, part of you doing your research on what you're looking in your model is is kind of the where, right? We we have a lot of information that would help you make that decision from, you know, say results, um, you know, what, what are pr- certain property types selling for in certain parts of the country? That's all data that we have. Um, granted, it, it does come with a cost, but that's a whole lot less expensive than just placing, you know, $500,000 in a market and then, you know, learning down the road, did I make a right decision or bad decision? If you can learn that same lesson a whole lot faster for a whole lot cheaper, why not? Right. So doing um, additional homework and defining the market along with the model uh, would be my three slash four. So there's four. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's all right. I'll let you, I'll let you put a fourth in, in there. That's fine. So all right. awesome. Well, thanks, Brian. Um, again, it's, it's kind of nice to have you on this side of things. And um, for those of you out there who've been following us, this is one of many to come where we switch roles and we put Brian in the hot seat uh, to cover a lot of different subjects that we hope will be beneficial to you and help you get started in your tax sale investing business. And uh, as always, I like to say, um, signing off. And uh, thanks for joining us here at Tax Sale Insiders. Thanks, Brian. We'll have you back soon. Thank you, Rachel. Good luck, everybody.